0: Incoming transmission from Autobot Headquarters.
1: The Neverland Podcast, Episode 30. Up to
0: Neverland! Second star to the right, straight on till morning.
1: Hey, we're back! Grab your pixie out of your pocket and sprinkle her around a little bit and let's fly off to Neverland... Hi, it's me. It's your host, Jeremy, and I hope you missed me. If you didn't, well, maybe try to miss me next week. I mean, absence makes the heart grow fonder, and I know last week we really didn't do a whole lot. I just kind of played some music and everything because the week before was very busy. But this week, I tell you, I've got a packed show for you because there was a new Transformers movie that came out, in case you missed it. Transformers Age of Extinction just released. I have a review of that movie for you. And because we grew up with Transformers, well, I hope you did, uh, and you might be older than me, you might be younger, you might not know what a Transformer is, but my goodness, by the end of this, hopefully you'll know. Uh, but we're going to talk Transformers today, and we're going to have a lot of fun with it. Uh, we'll kind of go through some history. I've got some audio to share and, of course, a review of the movie. Uh, but I, of course, would first like to remind you to visit our website, NeverlandPodcast.com. There you can find all of our sponsor links. You can also find links to some of our friends, uh, Jesse Stevenson's blog, Quest for Vault Disney, I have a link there, has a great uh, Disney blog there. He's also a new contributor to uh, to Neverland, and you'll be hearing from him shortly. Also, we're sending him to the Friends of the Magic meet in Disneyland, that Paul Berry of Window to the Magic hosts. Uh, hopefully some of you are going to be there, and while you're there, don't forget to say hello to Jesse. I'm going to make sure he's wearing a shirt so you can find him. And also, we've got some new friends that uh, they have a, a, a podcast called Skywalking Through Neverland, very similar to my show. They're more kind of... Uh, uh, fan culture I think based uh, there's there's a bit more cosplay talk kind of going on over there and we like cosplay here we just don't typically uh, uh, talk about it But, uh, you know, maybe I'll have some cosplayers on sometime. Would that be fun? I don't know, because it's all that fan culture kind of thing, geek culture, whatever you want to call it. They talk about some of the similar things. They seem to be a bit more focused, I think, on Star Wars and Disney, but uh, they appear to love comic book movies and and things as well. So I'm sure you would enjoy their show. You can find a link to them also on NeverlandPodcast.com. Also, while you're at the website, on the right side, you can, from there, like our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter, which... The, the Facebook page, we're doing a lot of things with. I have added now Philip and Heather and Jesse all as editors to the Facebook page. And if, if we find a cool article somewhere, even on Facebook or on the Internet, that we think you'd find interesting, they're going to share it on there. Also, I've got some special things planned because those of you who are Disney fans that maybe you're not that familiar with the Marvel Universe, I've you know, I've got some uh, old trading cards from the 90s that I'm going to start sharing on there. I'm going to scan the fronts and the backs so you can learn a little bit about some of uh, the Marvel characters you've been seeing in the movies and some of the ones you have not been seeing in the movies. Should be lots of fun, so make sure you are following us. All right, so do not forget, if you want to email us, send your email to podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com. There you can uh, tell us about what you thought of the show, so maybe suggestions for coming up on the show. Just send some feedback just say hello. We love getting your emails. Feel free. Send us an email. And of course, Twitter is at NeverlandPCast and on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash NeverlandPodcast. But alright, we're set to have some fun today, so let's kick right to it with our typical nerd news. Alright, so let's get right to it. Lots of fun here. Uh, BBC One has began airing new promotions for the upcoming season of Doctor Who. We've got a brand new Doctor this year. Uh, the Spot says that the new Doctor will begin on August 23rd. Now, I'm hoping BBC America will debut on the same day, but I do not know for sure. I have not heard anything about it, but uh, since... It's become kind of a popular thing. Typically, it seems we here with BBC America tend to get things about the same time as BBC. So I would look for it at that time and set your DVRs unless you've already you know, set your DVR to record any new episodes. But if you haven't, go ahead and do it. If we're starting with a new Doctor. It's probably a good time to go ahead and jump in. And if you're kind of behind, go on Netflix and watch. They, they Netflix finally got caught up with uh, all of the, the new series of Doctor Who starting from 2009. So check it out. Universal Studios' Florida theme park is set to open Diagon Alley, a new park section based around the popular Harry Potter franchise, on July 8th. A behind-the-scenes look at the new section can be seen this Monday on NBC in the evening. Check your local listings. It's going to be 7 o'clock here 7 Central Time where I live, but of course if you're on the East it'll be 8 o'clock and then I'm not sure how they work Mountain and Pacific Time. So go and check your listings, check out, you know, most cable systems or whatever television systems have some sort of a guide so you can go in and set your DVR. Make sure you do it. You're not going to want to miss this unless you absolutely hate Harry Potter. Okay, now, also, on July 7th, select IMAX screens will show a 17-minute preview of Guardians of the Galaxy. Now, to see if an IMAX near you is showing the preview, and to get tickets, go to www.seeitfirst.net slash pin slash pin. 552287. Five, uh, in case you can't remember that or didn't have a, a pen and paper with you, I'll post a link on NeverlandPodcast.com. See, now you have another excuse to come visit the website. I did take a look here, and it seems unfortunately in the Kansas City area there are no tickets available. So it looks like I'm going to have to miss out on this, but that's okay. Uh, I don't know if I'd want to have 17 minutes of it ruined for me, but then again, I would also kind of like to take a look at it, so I was kind of mixed on it anyway. Okay. Uh, this is important. A two month delay in the new James Bond film, the 24th in the series, directed by Sam Mendes of Skyfall, which was excellent, uh, has been sent for rewrites. Neil Purvis and Robert Wade, who have written five of the previous Bond films, have taken John Logan's script and are adding some humor and wit between Bond and Moneypenny. And probably a little bit of humor in some other places, but they mainly want I guess, looks like they wanted the interaction between Bond and Moneypenny to be fun, as it always has been. Now, the film is set to begin filming in December instead of October, as previously announced. But it sounds like there's a very good reason for the delay. So, still very, very excited for this. Uh, we'll just have to wait a couple months later, I guess. And On the Humans from Earth podcast, Star Trek 3 or 18, depending upon how you want to count these, uh, well, the director, Robert Orkey, or Orsi, I still don't know how to say his name, he says, though, that the next film will be closer to the classic TV series and take place in deep Space! Five-year mission. They're finally out there exploring deep space. Trekkies everywhere rejoice. I'm very excited. It sounds like a lot of fun. I so far have enjoyed the newer movies. It's a very kind of a different spin on things with a different timeline, and I'm very excited. Looking forward to it. Pacific Rim 2 is set for release on April seventh, 2017, giving me plenty of time to see the first one that I just didn't get around to seeing. Uh, So I guess I better check Netflix for that one, but Guillermo del Toro is working on the script right now. Uh, I did want to see that movie, I just didn't get around to it. So uh, if it's on Netflix, somebody let me know. I'm going to start looking for it, but uh, I might have to just go out and rent it out at a uh, Redbox or something. 20th Century Fox president of production Emma Watts tells The Hollywood Reporter we're making a big bet for 2015 with Fantastic Four and director Josh Trank. Watts said, To me, the key is the originality of the filmmakers and the choices they make. Josh is in another really interesting example, who is using the vision he gave us in Chronicle to reinvent a franchise he's loved his whole life. It's not that you can't make original ideas, you can, and we did it with Chronicle. The director is the key to not letting superhero movies go stale. That's the truth. End quote. Uh, the difference here is that Chronicle was a completely original idea, and the Fantastic Four has been around for a long time, uh, so be original with the story, but don't mess around with what fans love, and I still don't really plan to see this movie, other than I will go and review it. Now, I didn't see Chronicle, but it was apparently a success. I don't know of any, nobody has even said anything to me to say, oh yes, Chronicle was this great movie. I do remember when it came out, it was about a bunch of teenage boys that somehow or another end up with superpowers and end up fighting each other, um... I really kind of dismissed it kind of like, hmm, that might have been interesting, but it really didn't seem to catch my interest. And I'm, I read comic books, for crying out loud, and they, they didn't even get my interest, but I, it, they considered it a success. So apparently somebody saw this movie. But, you know, we'll see what happens. But I'm, I'm I, really there's a whole lot of us out here who are not really pleased with what we've been hearing about, the, uh, the so-called Fantastic Four, but apparently they're not going to call it the Fantastic Four, and I don't even know what they're titling the movie. So, take it for what it is. But uh, they did say though, X Men: Age of Apocalypse is currently being outlined. Uh, So I guess they haven't really written the script yet, and everything. But at least they're working on story. Uh, So the Fantastic Four uh, reboot or whatever is set for release June nineteenth, twenty fifteen. With X Men: Apocalypse scheduled for release on May twenty second, twenty sixteen. Looking forward to X Men: Apocalypse. Not so much the other one, but you know who knows? We might get surprised. But then again, we probably won't. Scoot McNary has been cast in an unspecified role in Zack Snyder's Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice. Uh, He's well known for being in a series called Argo. I have never heard of this man or this series. Uh, So, who has he been cast as? We don't know. No one has said anything. Apparently, though, uh, some people did notice that they have a Lex Luthor helicopter that has been... uh, I don't know if he's been photographed or not. I didn't find any photos. But apparently it has been spotted. So that's kind of cool. Of course, we knew Lex Luthor was going to be in the movie. But, uh, you know, there's a helicopter. Isn't that nice? I'm still... (laughs) Me and my buddy Phil, we are not uh, quite looking forward to this. We haven't really been pleased with Zack Snyder or anything he's done really so far. But, well, well, that's, that's a, a long ways off. You know, there's still probably plenty of you out there who are excited about that, and even probably some of you who are Ben Affleck fans. Anyways, Eldon Henson has been cast as Foggy Nelson in the upcoming Netflix series Daredevil. Fans will know Eldon from The Hunger Games and The Mighty Ducks. Uh, I didn't recognize him. I saw, uh, I think, at least two Mighty Ducks movies. Did I see all three? I don't remember. So I didn't recognize him. Of course, he was a little kid at the time, and I have not seen either of the Hunger Games movies. I went through the books and thought, eh, that's interesting, but you know, not enough to make me want to see the movies. So those of you who are big fans are going to know who he is. But uh, here's a quote. Eldon plays one of the most important characters in the world of Marvel's Daredevil, and we're thrilled to see Foggy Nelson brought to life by such an incredibly talented actor, said Jeff Loeb, Marvel's head of television. He perfectly captures the heart and soul of this series, bringing an added resonance to Matt Murdock's fight against the injustice in their great city. End quote. Uh, So, very excited they have Foggy Nelson cast. Uh, I did get a look at the guy. He he looks kind of the part to me. I think he's going to be fun. So... We we hope to see it very, very soon. I don't know exactly when this series is going to be coming on to Netflix. Seems like they're still going through some casting. So I guess we have a little time to wait. But I'm very excited for this. And also some of the other characters Netflix is supposed to be having. Very exciting. Very cool. Anyways... Walking Dead creator and comic book writer Robert Kirkman spoke with EW known as, you know, Entertainment Weekly, uh, about the upcoming season 5 of the popular zombie series. Fans will learn more about Terminus and yes, they'll get out of the train, apparently that they were left at the end of last season. Now Kirkman says the comic series and TV series will continue as long as there are fans. And spoiler alert about next season, they are still zombies. Now, I have not gotten into The Walking Dead. Uh, I, I might like it if I watched it, but I kind of think I'd get depressed. <laughs> because I've probably said this on the show before, because, like, yeah, there doesn't seem to be any hope of them ever uh, ending the zombie apocalypse. And, you know, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, it just sounds depressed. I like to have some fun with my series. I'm probably going to sit down and watch it. And next thing you know, I'll probably get sucked into it like the rest of y'all. But I just haven't done it yet. <laughs> so... I, I kind of got, uh, I learned a bit, there was a, an Xbox game uh, that was kind of made as episodic of Walking Dead, and I rented. I had a free rental. I thought, well, let me take a look at this, and I was depressed by the game because I frequently had to make choices on who's going to live and who's going to die, and you had to make him snap decisions, and I was like, well, I didn't want any of the other characters to die, just because I thought, well, hey, maybe if I save this one, maybe we can helpfully save the other one real quick, but no, no such luck. If you save this one, the other one dies. So, I, I thought, if, if that's how the series works, I probably wouldn't like it. <laughs> you know, I I like characters so but who knows one of these days i'll probably got sucked into all my friends apparently are well not all of them i don't think philip's gotten into it yet uh anyways moving on bandai has released a trailer to ign which is, of course, another website. Go look it up. Uh, but they've released a trailer of a new Godzilla game for your PS3. And it's expected to release in Japan later this year, but there is no U.S. release date set. So uh, I guess it's kind of that get it, get the iron while it's hot off a great summer blockbuster movie. Apparently you can choose to play as multiple versions of Godzilla throughout his 50-year history. Is it 50 years or is it more than 50 years? I think it's just about 50 years. Uh, I, I don't know what type of game this is. There, I haven't gotten a chance to look at this trailer yet, uh, but they have previously you know they've made like godzilla king of monsters had like fighting games that were actually pretty fun um so hopefully they do go ahead and release this in the u.s because you know we have a lot of u.s fans of godzilla we enjoyed that movie it was fun i hope you saw it if you didn't go back and check my review and maybe it'll encourage you to go check it out while it's still out there Predator star and iron me iron mean <laughs> yeah Pred- let me start that again predator star and Iron Man 3 writer and director Shane black has announced a new predator sequel is in the works now after he writes it fellow monster squad writer Fred Decker apparently they did it together uh, but he will pin the script Shane black is also set to work on Doc Savage and has met with Chris Hemsworth to play the lead role but nothing has been set in stone at this time now doc Savage I know I've heard of I'm not that familiar with Doc Savage I I. I think it's a book series or an older comic book. I'm going to have to do some research on my own for that one, and I might share something next week, or you could go look it up yourself. But uh, did y'all catch between him and Fred Deckard? They wrote The Monster Squad. Do y'all remember that movie? Have you seen that? Because if you haven't it's really hard to find but it is a lot of fun it's it's kind of a horror comedy kind of thing where basically pretty much every universal monster comes out and these little kids are the only ones that know about it they're all horror fans and they go and try to save the world from Dracula and his minions uh, lots of fun great holiday flick uh, I don't think my wife liked it as much as I did uh, we, we did, did manage to find a copy of it through the Blockbuster online years ago to watch it around Halloween because I missed seeing it and I don't think she liked it as much as I liked that movie I watched it all the time when I was younger. But anyways, moving on to our next story. Entertainment Weekly has featured a cover photo of Tom Hardy and Charlize Theron of the upcoming Mad Max Fury Road, being described by series creator George Miller as a 110-minute chase scene. Okay, I saw The Road Warrior. I wasn't that impressed. Uh, I did also see beyond Thunderdome but I really don't remember much other than two go When comes up comes one comes out and Tina Turner singing that kind of classic song. So I don't know what to think about this I'll probably go check it out. it could be awesome I don't know if this is like trying to be continuing the stories of Mad Max or kind of rebooting it. I don't know also it was the the first one I don't know it just didn't click with me uh, so I didn't really watch any of the other ones. Maybe I should go back and watch it again. I'm sure they'll be popping up on television with a new movie coming out. I don't know when this movie comes out. I haven't heard anything on that, but, you know, Entertainment Weekly. Go check it out. I'm sure it'll say something there. I didn't go and look for it. Sorry. George Lucas has announced that he is using some of his profits from the sale of Lucasfilm to, uh, from the sale of Lucasfilm to Disney. I know I'd say it sooner or later, uh, to create a museum in Chicago, which is the birthplace of his wife. The mission statement is as follows, and this is a quote: "The Lucas Museum of Narrative Art." Will be gathering will be a gathering place to experience narrative art and the evolution of moving images from illustration to cinema to the digital mediums of the future. The museum's seed collection, a gift from founder George Lucas, spans a century and a half and features the images and the mediums that have profoundly shaped our cultural heritage. The national the, the foundational collection will continue to grow and evolve as the Lucas Museum of Narrative Art acquires more works expect to see the millennium falcon and some norman rockwell paintings when the museum opens in 2018 uh, i'm kind of mentally marking my calendar i think i'm gonna have to go check it out that sounds really neat and you know chicago's not that far i could get there in a day i'll have to go check it out a few quick quotes on marvel films uh dr strange is to begin filming in spring of 2015 uh the new electric harley davidson is set to debut in avengers age of ultron that'll booster sales and it looks like Jacket is the likely villain in the upcoming Ant-Man. That's still sitting in the rumor, rumor mill right now, but it's starting to look likely. So, we'll see. We haven't heard an official announcement yet. Also, expect Thanos to be involved not only with Guardians of the Galaxy, but also with the Avengers. No surprise there. A lot of this information did come. There was a uh, an interview with Kevin Feige that I did find, and really, he did not reveal any information that we didn't know already. Uh, so, yeah, just kind of teasing us and getting us ready, and... Not spoiling anything for us, so I appreciate that. Ryan Johnson is set to write and direct Star Wars 8 and write 9. Uh, he has directed a few episodes of Breaking Bad, I, I think about three, someone had told me, and uh, the film Looper. I didn't watch Breaking Bad, and I I don't think I've even heard of the film Looper. I hope that doesn't lose me any of my geek cred. But, yeah, you know, Breaking Bad I couldn't get into because I can't really root for the bad guy, you know. So, And someone told me, well, he's not really the bad guy. He is trying to get money for his family for when he dies from cancer. And I'm thinking, well, so he's trying to protect his family. But how many people is he hurting by creating and, and making meth and selling it? So, I, you know, I can't get into that type of a, a series. Sorry. Anyways, moving on. Uh, one final bit of happy news. Nickelodeon's ten- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle series has been greenlit for Season 4, Turtle Power. And as I guess they're saying now, Buyakasha, although Kawabunga was so much cooler. But that is the news for today, and now let's move on to our Transformers review. This is the greatest advance in modern
2: physics since the splitting of the atom. A rare metal, molecularly unstable it's what they're made of
1: bring it up all the way you guys have never seen a truck like this before
2: dad you can't keep spending money
0: on junk
1: i don't think it's a truck at all i think we just found a transformer i'm gonna ask you this once where is optimus prime
2: After all we have done, humans are hunting us. But I fear we are all targets now.
0: What is that? Who sent you here? Help me!
2: This is not war.
0: It's human extinction.
2: Oh my god! How many more of my kind must be sacrificed? You gotta have faith, Prime. Maybe not in who we are. And who we can be. Not leaving my death. We need a new army.
1: Alright, Neverlanders. Uh, I am currently pulling out of the parking lot from the movie... Movieplex, whatever you want to call it, uh, just came out of Transformers Age of Extinction, the fourth in this franchise. Uh, this is supposed to be the beginning of a new trilogy. They're kind of trying to relaunch things, apparently, uh, with a new cast of humans and uh, some different perspective, although they have kept in mind everything that has happened in the previous three films. Uh, in this one, of course, you know because of all the events that happened in Chicago, and Chicago was pretty much laid waste in the last film, uh, the humans are not really seeming to be trust uh, the uh, Transformers or anything alien at this time. Uh, but it seems there's a lot more going on under the surface between the uh, the paranoia and the the whole concept of they're basically telling the humans, hey, if you see anything suspicious or anything alien please report it to the government. Uh, but there's more going on than what is, you know, being told to the average citizens about uh, we're trying to hunt down these aliens type of thing. Um I'll get into that a bit later. I don't want to give up away too many spoilers. Let's just say that uh, the Transformers are pretty much all in hiding at this point. The Decepticons are apparently completely deal- dealt with. Uh, there's there's known of at least apparently a couple of Decepticons the humans are aware of that uh, they're trying to track down. And uh, they're, they're, the, the official story is that the Autobots are, are all gone. Well, and the truth is, of course, the Autobots are in hiding. Uh, now, this film starred Mark Wahlberg as a named K. Jaeger. Uh, he's an inventor. He's got himself a little uh, workshop in his uh, on his farm in this kind of big kind of garage. Uh, he gets a lot of spare parts and uh, actually has kind of a home business that's not very profitable because he collects all these spare parts and he tries to repair things for his neighbors and you know has a little drop off and you know leave whatever money you think it's worth to, for me to repair this item for you. Um, and he just fixes things, and he tries to invent things that don't quite work as well as he would intend. Uh, the, a parallel to that is a character played by Stanley Tucci, uh, or Tuki. I'm not sure how you spell his name. It's like T-U-C-C-I, but you know who that is. I'm sure you do, and if you don't, if you would recognize him if you saw him. Uh, he's kind of a, a similar character. He's also an inventor. He is uh, just more profitable at it. He's kind of a billionaire character. Uh, I didn't even really catch what his name was other than Josh. They called him. Josh, uh, he has managed to get a hold of the metal that a transformer is made out of, and uh, he has kind of, basically, they, they said he's like unlocked the genome of the uh, the metal, and he is basically trying to use the technology that is the Transformers and kind of build his own Transformers to where we don't need the Autobots anymore where you humans can do it and he's pretty sure he can control things. Uh, Other characters involved of course Mark Wahlberg's character, uh, he does have a teenage daughter and of course her boyfriend he also has a kind of a beach bum surfer dude kind of friend played by TJ Miller Uh, he's uh, pretty well known as being a comedian Uh, he was in Yogi Bear and uh, uh, he's also a voice in How to Tame Your Dragon and How to Tame Your Dragon 2 um I don't want to spoil what happens to him but he's only in about half hour of the movie at the beginning and then I was kind of surprised at what happens um (laughs) that might be too much of a spoiler um Okay, so the overall plotline, there's almost too many villains, because you also have in this film Kelsey Grammer, who is head of Black Ops CIA, who the official story is that he's making sure that there's no Decepticons left, and he's going to hunt down any remaining hiding Decepticons, because it's time for the humans to be able to take care of their own planet, and we don't need these aliens anymore, and no more Autobots. Well, as it turns out, he isn't hunting Decepticons, he's hunting Autobots. Uh, and he actually has like a playing card, where he's got X'd out Ironhide uh Apparently he's already killed him. Uh, We also get to see them hunt down Ratchet. Uh, So it's kind of a surprise. Like, What in the world are the humans doing? But the thing is, as much as he talks about, oh, well, we don't want any aliens whatsoever, he has made a pact with the devil in his own way. A uh, Transformer named Lockdown, who is apparently a bounty hunter, not a Decepticon or an Autobot. He's a bounty hunter who in some fashion represents whoever created the Transformers. And he's got a bounty out for Optimus Prime. Uh, Optimus Prime, apparently part of a knight's order of some sort uh, that they don't really explain too much, but it seems uh, they're leaving that for the follow-up films. Uh, so between Lockdown trying to hunt Optimus Prime, making a bargain with uh, Kelsey Grammer's character, who is head of Black Ops of the CIA, uh, basically trying to pass over uh, you know, this thing called The Seed, which I don't want to give away anything, so I won't explain it very much. Um, but uh, The Seed... It's supposed to be. Oh, they think this is going to be this wonderful thing and help the technology and help them actually get control of their transformer creations. Because KSI, the company ran by Stanley Tucci's characters, where he, you know they're making all these uh, different, uh, well, ma- trying to make their own transformers and trying to make their own technology because they've kind of managed to harness. He does not realize that uh, he has. You know, he's having problems with this one character or one transformer he's made called Galvatron. And Galvatron always seems to come out. He's trying to recreate an Optimus. Prime. Rhyme, but he always seems to come out similar to Megatron, and he cannot figure out why, and he just can't seem to get control over the uh, the whole personality of Galvatron and anything else he makes, including Stinger, who's kind of a copyright of Bumblebee. Well, copyright's not really the word, but a copy of Bumblebee. Now, for anyone who is familiar with Transformers or you know, from the old uh, '80s animated film, will recognize the name Galvatron. Galvatron was voiced by Leonard Nimoy, and he was. The second generation form of Megatron. Megatron actually became Galvatron. So that I without any spoilers, that's you know, Galvatron is in this film. Uh but I'll leave that at that. Now the fun part is as Frank Wilker, the original voice of Megatron, is back to voice Galvatron. I kinda thought it'd been fun if it was Leonard Nimoy, but you know I'm very happy to have Frank Wilker back. And you will recognize his voice. You know, he does still have that same kind of Megatronish tone to it. It's really cool. It's it's fun to have him back. Uh um, but I don't want to say really any more, too much more about the plot because I don't want to give any away because whatever my review is, you're probably going to go out and see this. Uh, it is going to be a big summer movie. Uh, let's just say for, for quality of film, well, it was a Michael Bay directed film and produced and so of course, it's just any excuse at all well, just to pretty much blow everything up. There's some better film quality as far as you know being kind of pulled away so you get to see a little bit more of the action when the Transformers are fighting or sometimes they're fighting in the background, and you're watching the humans. But there's still a lot of shaky cam up close that gets a little disorienting at times. Uh, so not really, you know, what you much different from what you'd expect from Michael Bay. Now, one thing that I've still, I'd still i have to have as a complaint is, uh, this is a toy line, but they uh, they swear as much as they can, and I'm thinking, well, yeah, you're going to want to bring your kids to this, because it is a toy line, but if you're familiar with the other films, you have to expect there was going to be some language, but in this, in this case, they dropped an F-bomb right in the middle of it, and I'm like, you know, this is a toy line. And there's even kind of a goofy nod to My Little Pony, another Hasbro toy line. So I could have done without the language, could have done with maybe a little bit more... You, I'm, an unexplainable story. The story is very kind of convoluted, and it keeps switching gears because they're trying to run—I uh, don't know—like three or four plots at once, and not all of the plots are fully uh, revealed. And, and you know, it's—it's it's like they're ex- waiting for you know the next couple of films because they're—they're planning to do another trilogy. Uh, with this one being the first, so it's uh, very kind of complicated, you kind of get the idea of it when it finally gets explained to you what the heck is going on, but you're pretty confused for most of the time, but all the time you're being conflu- confused, they're just pretty much blowing everything up, and, you know, it is rather fun, it's a popcorn movie, and it is pretty mindless, <laughs> so, uh, overall, I give this kind of a, eh, you know, 50-50, I, I, I did find it a bit more entertaining than I think, uh, the second, or maybe the third one, um, third one I did kind did like it was pretty good. Um, I, I the only one I bought on DVD was the first one because uh, that one was you know it was just kind of cool, but that was kind of a novelty. Uh, and speaking of novelty, this one does of course bring the Dinobots into play uh, as part of. They seem to be part of this legend. Uh, they're legendary warriors, perhaps part of this Knight's Order that Optimus Prime belonged to. Uh, they never speak at any point, but they seem like they're brought in for fan service. They're just like, oh, look, look, Dinobots. Uh, you don't really get an explanation of how they chose a dinosaur form you thought you, you go through thinking you're going to get something that explains why they end up choosing a form of a dinosaur, but they don't really, and they don't completely even look like dinosaurs completely. There's one, that you know, the flying one there is like a two-headed dragon. Uh, Grimlock Fly fire all over the Place, which is cool. Um, so it was fun to see them, but they were pretty much a, a, a fan service, just pretty much trying to suck us in to come and see it. Because let's face it, a lot of us who are going to see this movie are saying, "Oh, look, Dinobots! I remember them. I love the Dinobots." But at no point will you ever hear me Grimlock or anything like that. So overall, I'd say rent it, uh, unless you just really want to see it on a big screen on a large scale. But uh, don't don't pay uh, the full ten dollars. You know, go to a, a matinee show for this one because it's not. Not really a great film. It's it's kind of fun, but after a while, my goodness, it just seemed to drag on too long. It was seemed like this, the finale of the action sequence, I swear, it went on for an hour, uh, and, and you kind of start to get a little bored. I did. I was like, okay, okay, alright, so what else do we have to deal with? Oh, look, now these guys are back. Oh. It's like we had to keep switching villains. Like, okay, so we've dealt with Galvatron. Oh, look, here's that Lockdown guy again. Have we dealt with, oh, wait a minute, here's, here's Kelsey Grammer again. Okay, oh, wait, no, wait, Lockdown's back you know it's like you're switching which villain they have to deal with there's like because there's like three And so it just kind of keeps dragging on. You're like, okay, I feel like I'm watching the same thing happen every five minutes. Um, But, you know, overall, not not a bad movie, but not a good movie either. Not really a great movie. But, you know, you can have some fun with this. So, like I said, rent it uh, or go see it at a matinee showing. Um, But pretty much what you'd expect from Michael Bay. And I really don't have much hope for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies to be much better, considering Michael Bay is also producing that one and probably directing. I don't know if he's directing it or not. I might have to look that up. I'm also to have to do some looking up to figure out if Lockdown... I don't recognize Lockdown. And there were some other characters, some Autobots that I had no idea who they were. Hound, at least I recognized. Uh, I think he was in a previous one, voiced by John Goodman. Uh, and I knew who Hound was. He was like a jeep before. Um, so he's kind of cool, kind of military, interesting character. But there was, there was kind of a neat samurai guy and another guy who was for, had a like a weird British accent and part of his metal was like a green trench coat that was part of his transforming form did not know who these two were these two Autobots, Um, but it was kind of cool having like the Samurai guy, he was voiced by Ken Watanabe, uh, so very cool to see him in, it was kind of funny because there was points of this that reminded me of the Godzilla film because there's a big battle in China uh, and Ken Watanabe actually had a pretty pivotal role in the Godzilla film, so it was kind of (laughs) funny to me but uh, yeah, so there's the final take that I have at least for Transformers Age of Extinction
0: ladies and gentlemen boys and girls listen listen hey hey Skywalkers this is Richard and over here is my sweetie wife Sarah
2: you can call me Jedi Tink
0: and we are Skywalking,
2: Skywalking through, Neverland.
1: through
0: Neverland Jimmy Mack here when you wish upon a podcast wish upon this podcast these guys are awesome <laughs> We are a fan-focused podcast that covers Star Wars, Disney, pop culture, and their fandom communities.
2: The stuff that surrounds us, penetrates us, and binds us all together as instantaneous friends. What do you know? We showcase what people are doing in the world of fandom and talk to those who are involved firsthand in the universes that we love. This is Margaret Carey, Tinkerbell.
0: This is Jeremy Bullock, Boba Fett from Star Wars. Listen,
1: Steve Sansweet from Rancho Obi-Wan. Hey, it's James
2: Earl Taylor, the voice of Obi-Wan Kenobi, and I happen to be skywalking through Neverland right and now. And I'm skywalking, and
0: skywalking through, Neverland. Neverland. And through Neverland. skywalking through Neverland. I've always hated space travel.
2: Yeah. <laughs> skywalking through Neverland is the ultimate expression of fandom. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, And our website, skywalkingthroughneverland.com.
0: And remember, Neverland on Alderaan!
1: All right, Neverlanders, let's talk a little bit about Transformers. Okay, so, Transformers, it's an entertainment franchise. It was co-produced between the Japanese Takara Tomy and the American Hasbro Toy Company, and it was initially developed as a brand by Hasbro, and it was renamed of rebranding some transforming toys from Takara's Diaclone and Microman toy lines. And then in 1984, the Transformers toy line uh, centered on factions of transforming alien robots, often the Autobots and Decepticons, and an endless struggle for dominance or an eventual peace, it's, uh, and it's a decades-long history. And the franchise has expanded to encompass comic books, animation, video games, and um. even films. Uh, now, of course, the the basic kind of concept between you know Generation 1, which most of us probably kind of grew up with, and that was, uh, it seems to be uh, the favorite of a lot of us. I'm sure there's people who have favorites, among other things. But uh, the concept of Generation 1 is that the heroic Optimus Prime and the villainous Megatron and their finest soldiers crash land on a prehistoric Earth in the the Ark, which was a large ship, and the Nemesis, which was a Decepticon ship, uh, before awakening in 1985. Cybertron hurtling through the neutral zone as an effect of of the war, uh, the the Marvel comic was originally part of the main Marvel universe, with appearances from Spider-Man and Nick Fury, uh, plus some cameos as well as a visit to the Savage Land. Now, the the TV series of Transformers began around about the same time. It was produced by Sun Do- Sunbow Productions and Marvel Productions, later known as Hasbro Productions, or well, later Hasbro Productions took it. You know, because uh, Marvel is no longer working on this anymore. Um, But uh, from the start, it was contradicted. Budiansky's backstories. Um, I'm not sure exactly who Budiansky is, but that's exactly what I'm finding. He might have had something to do with uh, the comic book. But uh, that's the information I'm finding. It's, but I also knows it's contradicted Budiansky's backstory. It's in the TV series that shows the Autobots looking for new energy sources and crash landing as the Decepticons attack. Uh, Marvel interpreted the Autobots as destroying a rogue asteroid approaching Cybertron, and, and Shockwave is loyal to Megatron in the TV series, keeping Cybertron in a sailmate during his absence. Uh, but in the comic book, he attempts to take command of the Decepticons. Uh, So also uh, the TV series differed wildly from the origins Budansky had created for the Dinobots And the Decepticon turned out about Jetfire known as Skyfire on TV Uh, The Constructicons who combined to form Devastator and Omega Supreme All had different different stories between the comic book and the cartoon Uh, But let's get into some specifics Okay, so of course you know Optimus Prime. He was a tractor trailer truck, uh, which he had multiple pieces. He was specifically a Freightliner COE from 1980 originally. You know, had that flat front, and he came with three different point parts. He was the main figure, which transforms into the cabin of the truck, uh, and then he had an Autobot headquarters that would transform into the tractor trailer. And also served as a combat deck, and uh, had a, uh, a mechanic artillery robot and a small scout car named Roller, which launches from Autobot headquarters. Uh, the eleven Autobot cars: uh, they were Blue Streak, Hound, which was he was in the new movie, uh, Ironhide, Jazz, Mirage, Prowl, Ratchet, Sideswipe, Sunstreaker, Trailbreaker, and Wheeljack. Uh, Blue Streak was a gunner; he turned into a Datsun Fairlady. Hound was a scout; he turned into a Mitsubishi Jeep. Ironhide, who was security, he was turned into a 1980 Nissan One Box Cherry Vanette. Uh, they turned him into a Humvee, I believe, in the movies, which seemed to fit his personality better. It's kind of funny that he was a van uh, or a Vanette even. Then Jazz, who was special operations expert, uh, he turned into a 1981 Porsche 935 Turbo uh, Mirage. He was a spy. He transformed into a into a Formula One racer uh, Prowl was a military strategist and transformed into a Dotson Fairlady police cruiser now for some strange reason they turned Prowl into a Decepticon in the first movie I always thought that was kind of odd uh, but that's what they did don't know why maybe they just thought it was scarier and if he seemed like he was an authority figure I don't know uh, it was also weird to have a car on the Decepticons because most of the time the Autobots all seemed to be cars, and the Decepticons were not. They were a lot of them were were jets of different types, and of course Megatron, being very controversial, was a uh, turned into a gun at first, which was altered because boy, people got up in arms about that gun. But he was really hard to transform. I remember some friends of ours had Megatron, and we had a hard time working him and, and and getting everything in the right spot. Um, now I I didn't get to start watching the uh, cartoon. Uh, Right away. Uh, It was coming on at a time that I wasn't home. Uh, But I remember at Worlds of Fun, a local theme park, they had a a kind of a big deal where they had a couple of, uh, they had two Transformers showed up and they had Starscream and Wajaz show up. And the cool thing is, is, um, I, I guess they had the voice actors inside in there. Or the voice actors were nearby and could hear what we were saying because you could talk to them. And it was talking with the voices from the cartoon. So it was really cool. Uh, and they did a little show uh, out. They have this kind of a stage area where they used to have, well, I think they still have some concerts out there at uh, Worlds of Fun. But they were coming out there, did a show, but they were also doing meet and greet type of things. It was a really pretty cool. I wasn't really that familiar with uh, the characters individually, so I had to ask them their names, and they told us their names and, and did it in a very kind of cool fashion. And it was probably good impersonations, really, of the uh, the voice the voices, because they were distinct uh, in style between the two characters, if you remember. Uh, but moving right along, you know, Ratchet he was, of course, the medic. He turned into a- an ambulance, and Sideswipe was kind of the was marked as a warrior. He transformed transformed into a Lamborghini. Uh, Sunstreaker, who would turn also into a type of uh, a Lamborghini. Uh, and then Trailbreaker, who was a defense strategist, he turned into a Toyota four wheel drive. And then Wheeljack was a mechanical engineer. And he turned into a Lancio Stratos Turbo Alitalia. Okay, uh, there were some mini cars, though, as well Braun, Bumblebee, Cliff Jumper, Gears, Huffer, and Windchanger. Um, originally, of course, Bumblebee was, you know, he was a little Volkswagen bug. Um, He was actually the cartoon voiced by the same fella who voiced Spider-Man and Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Uh, Now, of course, he's gotten an upgrade in the movies, and they've given him a bit of a different personality. He's more, and it was kind of focused on this new movie, he's like a teenager with an attitude. But he gets to turn into a Camaro now, which is, you know, an upgrade over the uh, the old uh, Bumblebee. But now his, you know, the old Volkswagen Beetle, you know, to be a Bumblebee. Which it made sense to call him Bumblebee back in the time because he was turning into a bug, you know, a, a car. Uh, it doesn't really make sense that he's named Bumblebee now and he turns into a Camaro. So what you going to do? Um, of course, now here's here's some of the fun things. Now with Decepticons, of course, we already talked about Megatron. You know, he turned into a handgun, which later he was a, a particle telebeam cannon and then a telescopic laser cannon. Different things like that. And eventually they made a tank out of him. Uh, just to try to get people uh, off of their back, but uh, Soundwave was kind of an odd type of thing. He was he was like a nineteen eighty Sony Walkman, and he had these micro cassette recorder, you know, and these tapes: uh, Buzzsaw Frenzy, Laserbeak, Gravage, and Rumble. That you know they would all come out and transform and do different things, but you could only carry one at a time inside the figure. But you know, in the cartoon, he could just fling out whichever one he had. Um... Then of course you know I don't have a listing of a lot of the other Decepticons here, other than Skywarp, Swa- Sky Starscream, and Thundercracker, and all of them turned into F-15 Eagles. They were pretty much like the same figure with different colors, uh, so it wasn't really wasn't really that big a thing. And then of course there was a six-two where of course it got a lot more uh, Autobots, and I think a lot of these start showing up more about the second season of the the animated series. Uh, but every year, of course, they were coming out with new figures all the time until eventually, you know, they did generation two and they had that animated movie that came out and just changed everything. And suddenly you're like, Oh, you didn't know any of the characters. And I really couldn't get into the generation two and the different things. Um, but, of course, before then, of course, you know, we'd had a lot of cool things added in there, like Dinobots, Constructicons, Insecticons, and a lot of different things. Uh, really great stuff during Generation 1, but Generation 2, it just, yeah, it didn't have that same thing. And Optimus Prime was dead and all that kind of thing. Uh, so it wasn't just as much fun. But, uh, speaking of Generation 1, uh, I've got something fun for you. I've got a old read-along recording, you know, I'm fond of sharing these, of... Of, you know, like an old read-along Transformers thing, and I have found one, and it's called Battle for Cybertron, which, uh, you know, I haven't gotten to listen to this yet, everything. I just found it and downloaded it, and, <laughs> and I'm putting it up here for you. So hopefully it's going to be fun. I bet it'll be cheesy as heck, but I'm sure we're going to enjoy listening to it. But uh, I was hoping it was going to be close to, like, the origin story for the Transformers of coming to Earth, you know, because it sounds like it, it takes place on Cybertron if it's called Battle for Cybertron. But uh, I haven't, like I said, I didn't pre-screen this, so I'm just going to hit the button and let it fly, and I'm going to listen to this whenever Whenever I come back and listen to my own podcast to quality control it and to make sure everything's all right. So, without further ado, here it comes. Hi,
2: everybody. This is your Transformers read-along book. Every time you hear this sound, it means it's time to turn the page in your storybook. Now, if you're ready, we'll begin
0: the battle for Cybertron.
2: Don't forget to turn the page every time you hear the sound. A terrible war between good and evil raged on the planet Cybertron. But this was no ordinary war, and the fighters were not ordinary men. In fact, they were robots. The peaceful Autobots were nearly destroyed by the evil and powerful Decepticons. The Decepticons planned to rule Cybertron and then make war upon the entire universe. But the Autobots fought back. They too were mighty warriors, and they battled bravely. They refused to give up. A thousand years went by, but the terrible war continued. The damage had become so great that Cybertron was shaken loose from its orbit. It was now hurtling through space, out of control. Soon, it would be smashed to pieces. Optimus Prime, the largest, strongest and wisest of all the Autobots, wanted to save their world. Who will go with me out into space? He asked the Autobots. I'll go! The smallest of the Autobots cried out. For a little one, Bumblebee. You show great courage. Laughed their leader. Then he turned to the others and challenged. Who else among you is as brave as Bumblebee and will join me? Take me! Yelled Jazz. I'll go! Called out Prowl. And then all the others shouted that they wanted to go too. (coughs) When all was ready, the Autobot spaceship soared away from Cybertron to clear a path for their planet through the asteroid belt. But they were not alone. A Decepticon warship was lurking in ambush and attacked. The Decepticons chased them across a million miles of space until they were close enough to beam a landing party aboard the Autobot ship. The Autobots were in trouble. Optimus Prime quickly set the controls of the ship so that their vessel would crash at full speed into the Sun's third planet, Earth. The ear-shattering sound of the Autobot ship smashing into the Earth sent the mighty dinosaurs running in terror. Then, all was quiet for the next four million years. (coughs) The eruption of a volcano finally awakened the Ark, the Autobot ship's computer. The Ark studied the surface of the Earth. When it picked up the familiar whirr of machinery, its lights glowed bright with joy. Now, I'll go right to work, repairing the crew." It decided. But the Ark was too damaged to realize the difference between the Autobots and Decepticons inside the ship, and it began changing the shape of every robot on board. It rebuilt them to look like the machinery it detected on Earth. As part of the repair work, the Ark gave the robots the ability to transform themselves back into their original robot shapes. The first to be assembled by the Ark were the Decepticons. And even after four million years, they still remembered their main goal. Destroy the Autobots! Sparkplug and his son Spike were looking at the damage done by the volcano when they suddenly stopped dead in their tracks. Dad, look at that! Spike cried, pointing down into a deep crater. What they saw were jet planes flying out of a strange battered spaceship. The jets landed on the far side of the crater and transformed themselves into huge, frightening robots. Hide behind that boulder! Sparkplug said, pushing his son towards safety. It doesn't take a genius to know that something weird is going on here. <coughs> While Sparkplug and Spike watched, the Decepticons gathered in battle formation and aimed their combined firepower at the ship with the Autobots still inside. But, as they were about to fire, the Ark sensed the danger.
0: Better put off the defense shield.
2: It said to itself, When the blast was deflected, the Ark blinked its lights and sighed. That was just in time! The Decepticon leader, Megatron, angrily turned to the others and scowled.
0: Our power
2: levels are too low! We must search out new sources of fuel on this planet! Then, we'll come back and crush the Autobots! Hey, whoever they are, they're leaving, Sparkplug said. That'll give us a chance to take a look at that big blinking contraption they tried to blow up. Come on. Uh, you think that's a good idea, Dad? Spike said hesitantly. You ever see a machine I didn't understand? Sparkplug demanded. I didn't get the name Sparkplug for nothing, boy. Come on, it's time you had a little adventure. A little adventure? Spike cried. With what we just saw? Are you kidding? As they came up to the Autobot ship, a little yellow Volkswagen rolled down to meet them. Look out! Yelled Sparkplug as he grabbed his son and pulled him out of the way.
1: There's nobody driving
2: that thing! The little VW stopped immediately.
0: What are you?
2: It asked in a thin, squeaky voice. Sparkplug looked around for the voice. It's the car, Dad. Spike said. It's talking to us. Realizing Spike was right, Sparkplug explained. We're humans. What are you? I'm an Autobot. My code name is Bumblebee. Will you help us? Bumblebee explained about the Autobots and the Decepticons. We saw those Decepticons, said Spike. They turned from jets into robots, and then they tried to zap your ship. They didn't look too friendly. You're right, said Bumblebee. And their attack damaged the Ark, our ship's brain. We're in desperate need of help. You're talking to the right man, said Sparkplug. Let's get at it. (coughs) Sparkplug had never seen machines like these before, but he fiddled with them until the wreckage of the Autobots formed into a fleet of cars and trucks. Optimus Prime gave the signal and suddenly Sparkplug and Spike were surrounded by gigantic robots. One Jeep, though, didn't take part in the transformation. Optimus Prime said,
0: That's Hound. We need him to ride out over this rough ground. We have to find a source of power or we'll never survive on your world. Hey, if you're looking for power,
2: suggested Sparkplug, you won't have to go far. We're sitting right next to a volcano. You can tap into that underground power. We we
0: better get home, Dad,
2: Spike said. You are our friends, said Optimus Prime simply. Pound, take them home. (laughs) On the way home, just outside their city of Kimball, they spotted the Decepticons swooping down into a nuclear power plant. A second later, the lights in Kimball went out. The Decepticons had drained all the power. Hound knew he should get back to warn the other Autobots. Spike sensed Hound's problem. I think I need just a
0: little more adventure today,
2: he said. Hear that, Hound? said Sparkplug. That means you better turn around and race back to base, and hurry. Hounds zoomed like a race car over miles of bumpy hills. There wasn't much time. The Decepticons would soon be finished with the nuclear power plant, and then they'd head straight for the Autobots. But they made it. Hound gave his warning to the others, and then Optimus Prime announced their strategy. We
0: must use the element of surprise, he said. The Decepticons don't know what form we've taken. Let them come here and attack, but we won't be here. The Ark will defend the ship. We'll draw them into a trap where they least expect us. He turned to Bumblebee and ordered... You take Sparkplug and Spike and keep them out of danger. If any of the Decepticons try to outmaneuver us, warn us by flashing your headlights three times. Yes, sir! Now, said Optimus,
2: let's let's go. The Autobots formed a long convoy and rolled out of the mountains and down into the desert darkness. Later that night, the Decepticons attacked the empty Autobot ship. The Ark's shields were up and at full strength. The force of the Decepticon blasts bounced off and did no damage. Megatron just had to know if he'd been fooled into attacking an empty position. He turned and called out, Soundwave, come here. Tune in the inside of the ship. Tell me if the Autobots are hiding inside. Soundwave quickly turned into his earthly form and probed the Autobot vessel.
0: Only the ship's brain is there.
2: He reported as the lights twinkled on board.
0: But it's laughing at us. We'll
2: see who laughs last. Megatron growled. They're trying to outsmart us, but they won't. We'll split up. Half will circle north to south the other half south to north. And then, when we find them, we'll have them trapped between us! As the sun rose over the desert, the Autobot convoy spotted the Decepticons. But the jets, screaming toward them from the south, only saw a long line of cars down below. Let me Adam. The red Porsche code-named Jumper shouted. Wait for my signal! Ordered Optimus Prime. Soon, the jets would be right on top of them. Hold on... NOW! The line of cars suddenly transformed itself into massive Autobot robots with their weapons aimed up into the sky. FIRE! Came the command. The Decepticons were completely fooled. We've got them this time! Shouted the Autobots. But Optimus Prime wasn't so sure. This seemed too easy. And it worried him. From half a mile away, Bumblebee, Sparkplug, and Spike watched the battle. Oh, no! cried Bumblebee.
0: They're coming from the other direction, too!
2: Give the signal, said Sparkplug. Bumblebee blinked his headlights three times, over and over. I don't think they see it, Spike said in a shaky voice. Sparkplug slapped his forehead. You're right! The sun is right behind us, and it must be blinding them. Spike looked up at his father and said, I'm about to have more adventure, right? Just a little, his father teased. Okay, let's go, Bumblebee! Bumblebee, Sparkplug, and Spike got there with their warning with just seconds to spare. Optimus ordered his troops to form a circle. And a moment later, the battle exploded over the entire desert sky. The Decepticons were at full force. And it was Starscream, firing his Null Ray rifle, who did the most damage. He struck Optimus Prime, short-circuiting him. With their leader out of action, the Autobots started to panic. The Decepticons surged forward, sensing victory. Meanwhile, Sparkplug was digging inside Optimus Prime's body and doing some very fast tinkering. Suddenly, Optimus snapped back on as good as new. The Autobots took heart from the return of their leader and the tide of battle turned. The Decepticons had had enough. Besides, their fuel was running low again. Megatron picked himself up off the desert floor and signaled the retreat.
0: We'll meet again,
2: Autobots! He bellowed. And the next time we'll blast
0: you into junk!
2: The Autobots had won. Finally, Optimus quieted their cheering and said,
0: We have had a great victory today. But it was possible only because of the help of our friends, Sparkplug and Spike. Earth must be a wonderful place if it holds such fine humans as these. We must vow to protect this planet from the Decepticons, just as if it were our beloved home, Cybertron. As far as
2: we're concerned, said Sparkplug, Earth is your home. You're our kind of machines. Right, Spike? Right.
1: Alright, and that's going to do it for the Neverland Podcast this week Uh, I'll remind you once again to go and please visit our website, NeverlandPodcast.com That's where you can keep up to date on anything going on and keep an eye on our Facebook page because as I was saying before, we're updating and adding a lot of things now to our Facebook page Uh, I need to start, you know, punching that in over at Twitter and kind of get us a bit more socially active, Uh, but we thank you for downloading this week and hope you come back next week and uh, we'll have, of course, even more fun coming. Coming in the, in the following days. Uh, I'm currently in talks with uh, Townsend Coleman, who was Michelangelo on the 1980s Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series. I do hope to maybe talk to a few of the voice actors from that show uh, to share with you, kind of in conjunction with the upcoming Ninja Turtles film from Michael Bay. I have low expectations, but I guess means that they can only go up when I actually see the film. So <laughs> I'm not expecting it to resemble anything that I'm familiar with with Ninja Turtles, but it might be fun. You never know. That's, I'm going to have to go because I'm going to review it for you guys. But we're going to try to get some of the voice actors. Uh, you know, I'm kind of working out some things. You know, uh, it's uh, it's kind of a daunting thing when you kind of try. To go and find like different voice actors and celebrities and try to ask them to come on to your show, you know, it's kind of one of those things, gosh, I'm just a podcast, maybe they don't want to do it. But, um, you know, some it seems so far, everyone I've talked to is like, oh, that sounds great, I'd like to do your podcast. So, uh, expect a few more celebrity guests as we go along. But I invite you to come back next week and don't forget as you go to keep your pixie in your pocket, that way you can sprinkle her around on you and all your friends and fly to Neverland anytime you need to. Until then, God bless, bye bye.